Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. From the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hour number two. Gets off with a bang. It is Tutel Nuanez, 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you. On this very fine Wednesday afternoon. And we continue our ESPN Roundtable Series, this time with the defensive coordinator, the Montana State Bobcat football team, Kane Ione. Hey, if you missed anything in the first hour, check it out on the podcast. The podcast available everywhere. Well, on every podcasting platform that you use, go check it out. Search, subscribe, review, rate the Two Tell Nuanas podcast. Download that every single weekday and uh, get us when you want us. The podcast available thanks to Blackfoot. Uh, Also, yes, I want to add this. If you want to listen live, you can do that too. Uh, On the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You go to the website. You check out the stream. The stream available all the time. Thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Coulter, we were able to sit down and do our first ever Zoom interview today uh with Kane Ione he was a four-time All-American as a safety for Montana State one of the great Bobcat players and went into coaching and has been you know basically in coaching the whole way through as well and at this point is like a 15-year coaching veteran uh including two years ago having spent three years if that makes sense at Washington Okay, at the University of Washington with Pete Kukowski and the now head coach Jimmy Lake and the then head coach Chris Peterson, and then uh, returns to Montana State and to uh, Jeff Choate's staff and just finished his first year as the defensive coordinator and is heading into his second year now as a defensive coordinator, but really appreciate his time. It was a fairly long interview because why not? What else Why are we not? doing? You know, you got a guy who's you know, also great no to talk to. There's no timer on the thing. 
there's a time limit on the Zoom calls, but that doesn't have a timer on it. You have to press stop, and I didn't want to interrupt the interview, so I had no idea how long we were going, but we were just rolling. Just rolling. So what we've done here is is, is split this up into two parts for you, but I think it's uh, worth listening to. I mean, he's, he's great to talk to, and we certainly appreciate his time, uh, but also I think tremendously insightful on all kinds of things, from, from the personnel side of this, which we'll get into in the next segment, to just the overarching coaching side of this, obviously the setting of all of this and trying to sort it out and where we're at now, but uh, uh, plenty to, to go through with Ken Ion in this interview. And it's so easy to remember Montana State in the recent history of the Bobcats because of their offense, specifically their quarterbacks. They've had several of the best quarterbacks, not under Jeff Choate, but of in, Dakota Prukop. I mean, and, you talk about yeah. Travis Ule is an all-time right. great quarterback in Big Sky Conference history, one of only 14 guys in college football history to throw for 10,000 and rush for 1,000 yards in their careers, went on to become an MVP of the Canadian Football League. Talk about Daenerys McGee, the winningest quarterback in Montana State history, one of the five winningest quarterbacks in the Big Sky Conference's history, led Montana State to three straight Big Sky Conference championships. He was the two-time Offensive Player of the Year and probably would have been three-time if he wouldn't have got hurt his senior year. Then there's Dakota Prukop who then ended up grad transferring to Oregon. But Montana State, because so much of the Butte roots, starting with Jim Sweeney at the beginning of the Big Sky Conference era in 1963, all the way through then Sonny Holland and Sonny Lubick, the Bobcats were all about defense. They were all about toughness. And things got all sorts of haphazard in the 80s because of a bunch of different things. It was a bad decision to fire Sonny Lubick. They hired Dave Arnold. It looked like a bad decision. Dave Arnold catches lightning in a bottle. Montana State goes 1-10 and and then wins the 1984 National Championship and then goes 2-9 and the next year. And it's one of the most anomalous seasons that we've ever seen. But they deserve credit for that. But then when Dave Arnold was fired in 1986 after raising the bar, they hire Earl Salmonson. And Earl Salmonson uh, was a disastrous hire. He had had so much success at North Dakota State. It was not. He tried to come to Montana State and run the triple option, the veer option rather, he stopped recruiting Montana kids. And at the same time, Montana had just hired Don Reed, and they built Washington Grizzly Stadium, and the rest is history, at least in terms of the modern era. 16 Cat Grizz wins in a row for the Grizzlies. But that's why Kane Ione is such a, he's such an iconic person in Montana State history, as well as absolutely the bridge between the successes of the past, because people that are old enough to remember, remember that it was Montana State that dominated the Grizzlies during the first part of the Big Sky Conference era. Right. Then Don Reed flipped that on its head completely. Montana rises to become one of the great football programs in the entire country, multiple national championships, seven national championship game appearances. But in 2000, when Mike Kramer took the Montana State job and Kane Ione out of Billings Skyview was one of his number one recruits, I think a lot of people connected to Montana State football wondered if the Bobcats would ever beat the Grizzlies again. And that defense that Kane played on, the D-block defense, as they would call it, those guys were so lights out. Like, those guys could have won multiple Big Sky Conference championships. And they did end up sharing the 2002 and 2003 championships after beating the Grizz. Snap the streak in 02, snap it, and then win a second straight Cat Grizz game in 03. But they would have had some quarterback play then. And Travis Leo obviously was there, but during that t- early 2000s, man, they, they yeah. were so lights out on defense with so many great players. And that's why Sonny Holland one of the great Bobcats of all time, calls Kane Ione, the greatest Bobcat of all time, a four-time All-American player. Well, then Ione got a front-row seat to watch the rise and fall of Mike Kramer, the rise and fall of Rob Ash, the early rise of Jeff Choate, and then he leaves, and now he comes back, and he just has had 
a front row seat, but also a very close tie to the program. And he is the tie that binds the whole thing to have that close of a connection with one place for 20 years. Incredibly rare in college football this day and age. That's why his perspective is so profound. Well, enjoy our ESPN roundtable today. Part one with Kane Ione. Welcome into the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls and happy now to be joined by the second year defensive coordinator, Montana State and uh, former, well, all year, all American, Kane Ione. Kane, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you guys having me on and and looking forward to this, man. And um, hey, I'm surviving just like everybody else day to day. And just adjusting to what is the uh, the new normal, essentially. That's right. Well, you have the uh, the distinction of being our first ever Zoom interview. So congratulations! Ah. There, we're breaking new ground. Wow. Appreciate, appreciate you being here. Look, let's before we get into the present, let's get into just the past a little bit, especially this past year. Returning to Montana State for like the third time, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it, but this time in in the in the role of being the guy defensively an unbelievable season that you had and some really great players for sure. Some guys, you know, who now have graduated, but what was this like to come back to Montana state and be wearing that hat and, and have the run that you guys did have? Uh, it was, it was everything that I was hoping it would be when I made the decision to uh, leave the university of Washington and come back. Um, you know, it, it was, it was a whirlwind initially. Uh, anytime you get going in, in January and you, you've, run into the, the spring ball and then some, I mean, it's, it just felt like, holy cow, August was on you fast. Uh, but fortunately the, the thing that the transition was made a lot easier because of my familiarity, obviously first and foremost with our head guy, coach Cho. And then secondly, with our, our defensive staff, um, coach Howe, coach Kyle, uh, Risinger and, and coach Daly, bringing him out on board. And so the familiarity with what they had been doing for the previous couple of years and what I had seen or been a part of in 2016, and then everything that I wanted to get done as far as going forward, I, I just felt like that uh, that helped quite a bit with the transition. And then uh, just going through the season, man, it was it was awesome. Uh, the thing that I, I really appreciated the most about this team um, and the defense was just the how the guys just continued to get better week in and week out. And it just felt like we played our best ball uh, in November and then obviously through December as well, through that playoff run. And they just kept getting better and better. And that was, uh, again, that was a, um, because of obviously the players and their attitudes, their attention to detail, their ability to just continue every week to, to want to get better. And then obviously a, a tribute to our, our coaching staff, um, starting from my head guy down. Heading into that game against North Dakota State in the playoffs, I did a statistical analysis of your guys' defense from the North Dakota game through NDSU. And if you took away the trick play that North Dakota ran for a touchdown, took away one long run, I think that – I can't remember. I think it was uh, Sacramento – or that Southern Utah had. You take away a pick six that Northern Colorado had, and you take away the long bomb that Jerron Green scored on against Alvin. Ah. Those four plays, I think you guys were giving up 4.9 points – and something like 175 total yards. I mean, you take out like the four big plays, and it was is as, as, as locked down a defense as you can possibly get. And you mentioned those guys getting better. Two-part question, how much of a turning point was that loss at North Dakota? Because you guys, I mean, you destroyed people after that. Yeah. And two, what's it taking? What's the process like to get a, a team to steadily improve and then explosively improve like you guys did? Mm-hmm. No, I, I go back to, granted, obviously that North Dakota game was was uh, kind of the turning point to a certain extent, but it really was Sac State that for us as a defense, 
uh, we knew that we had to get better. Uh, we had we had played some decent ball up to that point, minus the Texas Tech or Texas Tech uh, game, where uh, obviously they they did what they did and, and um, showed us what we needed to improve upon going forward. Uh, but uh, the Sac State game really opened our eyes as a first of all as, as a defensive staff and myself in particular. I knew I had to get better, and um, whether it was just how I was approaching things, how we were approaching things entirely as a as a defensive staff. We had to figure out ways in which we could we could utilize the the best eleven uh, and, and schematically figure out new things that we could implement without blowing minds. Um, and so that's where the, the Sac State game was was really huge in that regard. And we had the entire bye week for me to just stay in office and really hone in on what we needed to get better between myself and Coach Choate, uh, and then our defensive staff. Uh, really helping in that regard as well within each position group. Hey, this is the, the points of, of emphasis for their, our position group in order for us to take the next step to get better. And so North Dakota was uh, kind of the game where we were like, okay, let's, let's see what, what this bye week and our adjustments that we've made, what they've done and how they've helped us. And, and we felt coming out of that game, despite the loss, we felt like defensively we saw, okay, we saw improvements and, um, you know, like you said, you hit on the – we gave up one touchdown that game as far as the trick player is concerned. And uh, we, we gave up a few big explosive plays or run game plays and some things schematically that uh, we needed to tweak. But going forward, that, that game just kind of gave us more and more confidence to really start pushing towards uh, that run that we made. And, uh, again, I, I think it, it, it comes back to the ability of our staff to make sure that week in and week out – we were making the adjustments we needed to uh, on how we were approaching practice, how we were approaching our meetings, just trying to tweak and make sure every week that we stayed fresh with what we were doing. So the players just felt like, man, we, we're finding ways, we have answers, we're getting better. And, uh, and in turn, the players' attitudes and the way they went about their business matched that as well. And, you and, know, Oh, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that the other aspect that, that, that I can't not mention is just the fact that we have great leaders as well. Right. Uh, you talk about the, some of the players that you, you hit on earlier as far as the, you know, the, the Braden Conkles, the Bryce Sturks, uh, Josh Hill, a uh, very underrated player and leader within our, our group, and then Derek Marks, uh, another guy that, that really goes untalked about sometimes but the impact that he had within our locker room, within that defensive front in particular, uh, we had some really good leadership and of for guys that just within the locker room, away from coaches, kept the thing pushing forward the way we needed it to. You know, you mentioned that Texas Tech game, and I guess in the if you can't beat them, join them. You bring in Justin Udy, and uh, he's the new OC, which has got to yeah. be, you know, you got to be pumped about that at some level. But I'm interested – you know, a lot of times people think about football, you got the defensive side, you got the offensive side, and never the twain shall meet, right? Mm. But we know that it's it's an integrated game, you know, especially now when you take a look at what you've seen out of out of him and what he wants to do. I'm sure you guys have talked and looked at, you know, game plans and schemes and that kind of thing. Mm. What do you expect and what do you need to do defensively as a coach to prepare for, for this season with a new offense that's coming in, in, in terms of what you know so far, obviously having not even yet been able to get on the field to try and <laughs> install anything. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, first off, we're very excited to have Coach Udy uh, join our staff, and, and I think he's going to be a, a great addition. He already has been a great addition over the course of how many months he's been with us. Uh, like you said, uh, anytime you, you can bring a guy on the staff that's been a part of the uh, prolific offenses that he's been a part of, both at Utah State and then again at, at Texas Tech, and haven't seen firsthand what those offenses are capable of doing, uh, it, it gets you excited as far as what he can bring as far as the different elements to an already really good offense we had coming back. Uh, just talking about our, our offense's ability to really control the game as far as the run game is concerned and, and what we're capable of doing uh, up front uh, and what we're – a similar situation where I felt like our offense just kept getting better, better and better, better and over better, the course better, of the better, year. Better. And, now and now you add in, uh, add some, in of these some of these elements that elements I think, uh, that I are, think gonna are, are gonna be make a very a, a tough combination for any defense to prepare for. Uh, and so for us, we don't really – talk too much as far as, well, this is what they're going to do change-wise, schematically, or whatever they may be doing. How it's What we really talk about always is, as a team, it's always about the, the, the wins and losses. It has nothing to do with, statistically speaking, defensively, we were this, this, and this. Offensively, we were this, this, and this. It's always the, the main objective or the main statistic we are always looking for is the win-loss column. And whatever we can do defensively to get the wins – on Saturday and whatever offensively they're going to do to um, get those wins. That's, that's what we always talk about as a staff and as a team is that ultimate goal, that ultimate prize. We're not, we're not in this thing for stats as much as uh, obviously those are resume builders and things of that nature. The ultimate stat for all of us is those win, uh, the W's in the win call. Well, that's the most fascinating part about the evolution of college football in the last 15 years, right? Is the relationship between offenses and defenses. And yeah, I mean, Montana State's a great example, right? I mean, when when you guys went to the Tim Cramsey offense, all gas, no breaks. I mean, Crams might be scoring an 80-yard touchdown every other play. That's great for the <laughs> offensive stats, but now the defense has been on the field for 20 of the last 22 plays because you know even if they're playing okay, it skews the defensive statistics, right? So mm -hmm. from that element, though, I mean, you guys were so good on defense, talent-wise and execution-wise last year, but you also are with an offense that leads the Big Sky Conference in rushing, exactly. grinds the clock. So, I mean, what's that relationship like? What's it like calling plays for a team that does prioritize running the ball and helps the defense out? Yeah, it, it, it's – that's what I loved about our, our entire situation and, and why I thought we had the success we did as we continue to progress through the years that, is that we were always on the same page as an entire unit. And, again, that, that stems from the head guy. That stems from the head guy making sure that he uh, implements and make sure that all of us – starting within our staff room, understand what it takes for our team to win any given Saturday. And there may be a week that defensively, hey, guys, it's you guys got to hold them to this, this, and this in order for us to be successful. You need to create this many takeaways if we can get, get the ball to our offense, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe it's, hey, offensively this week, we need to slow this pace down as much as we can. We need to make sure UC Davis, for example, doesn't get the ball however many times. And you saw what happened there in the second half where our offense was able to really control the line of scrimmage. Defensively, we were able to get off the field on third downs and uh, hold them whenever they got into the red zone. We did a good job of keeping them away out of the end zone, essentially. And on the flip side, like I said, the offense in the fourth quarter and the second half in general just controlled the clock, punched it in there when they got in the red zone. And in turn, you saw that was the main difference in, in that win, and a huge road win for us at UC Davis. And so that just speaks volumes of uh, what it takes to be successful nowadays is you've got to have both sides of the ball and your special teams 
always working together as one cohesive unit or else it's just not going to work. Ken Ione joining us. It is the ESPN Roundtable. Ken, the defensive coordinator of Montana State, heading into his second year with that title. Now, it's interesting. You were with Jeff Choate the first year that he took over, linebackers coach, assistant head coach, and then you go to Washington, and you you are there with Pete Kukowski and Jimmy Lake and so on, Chris Peterson, of course, as well. What did you learn in those two years? Because you're a lifer, man. Like you're an All-American <laughs> football player. You've been coaching now a decade even prior to that. And then, and then you go to this, you know, to Washington. What do you see and get there that now you are bringing back to Bozeman? Mm-hmm. And that's the, I think, was the best thing about just, like you said, I mean, you said lifer for sure. And I'm not, I don't want to consider myself a lifer. I'm a, I'm a lifer as, as far as a, I'm, a, I'm going to be a Bobcat for the rest of my life, no matter where I end up. I'm always going to be a Bobcat. And uh, that for sure, I'm a, I'm a lifer in that regard. I was a lifer up to that point as far as I had not been anywhere else to see what other – what programs are doing outside of what had been happening right. in Bozeman, Montana. And, and I guess I University. should clarify, my lifer comment is just from a football standpoint. I mean, no you've question. been in the sport, right? You've been oh, doing it. So, like, what no could doubt. you possibly need to learn? It's all in the <laughs> dome, man. <laughs> no, and that, that's it. <laughs> um, and so, like I said, man, the, the just the the – just for me to get away from Bozeman was so such a drastic, important step for me to take. And the opportunity had just not come to that point up, up to that point that I felt was I, there'd been other opportunities. They just weren't in my heart. Like that's yes. I'm going to take this opportunity. When Washington came calling, there was no way I was going to turn that down. And especially to just be a part of a staff, like, like you mentioned, I mean, the names that you mentioned there, the staff that they have out there uh, was just awesome second to none. And, and so it, it provided me with an experience that I had not gotten as far as just seeing a program uh, inside and out that was just drastically different from what I've been accustomed to. And just seeing it at that level as well, the power five level and kind of seeing how, how a power five uh, football program runs. And uh, it really opened my eyes to what coach Choate was trying to implement in 2016 when he first got to Montana State because of uh, his experience at the Power Five and, and his way of, of doing things and what he was accustomed to, the FCS had not really seen that. And so, and what's, I had not really been a part of that. What's the biggest difference? Like, what's, what, is, what is happening at the Power Five? I mean, we know about the money and the yeah, you know, yeah, facilities yeah. and that kind of thing, but what, what are they doing organizationally that's mm-hmm. different than what mm-hmm. happens at the FCS? I think, uh, well, they just have the ability to um, have so many more resources for their student-athletes. They have the ability. I mean, you mentioned the money. The money is obviously a big part of that in order to to have those resources available for the student athletes. Um, but and then the structure in which they can have different aspects of your staff. You've got a recruiting department essentially. Um, you've got uh, an entire um, strength and conditioning, uh, just army of coaches and interns. And then you've got this a whole other function as far as nutritional value, academic. I mean, so you've just got these different uh, areas that. Uh, for us, we have that. We just don't have it at the magnitude that they do. And I think just their, their ability to make the uh, – there's literally no excuses for a Power 5 student-athlete to not be successful in one shape or form. But granted, they all aren't going to be All-Americans or NFL draft picks, but they all should be able to get their degree and be able to function somewhat at, at that level. Um, and so I think 
Joe brought that same type of philosophy to us as far as, hey, well, let's eliminate as many excuses as we possibly can for, the, for our student athletes to be successful. And I think that's what I appreciated the most about what his approach has been. Uh, and, and it just it amped that up even more when I went to Washington and saw where he was coming from, essentially, and uh, what they're able to do for their student athletes, the resources they provide them, and really, again, eliminating any excuses for their student athletes to be successful. Uh, as far as the, the overall football thing, you know, the, as far as answering your question, as far as what I could learn football-wise, that's the great thing about this profession. And what I love about it so much is that there's always something that you can learn and there's always ways that you can get better. Granted, when it's all said and done, football is still football, right? Uh, cover two is still cover two, cover three is still cover three, cover four, all of these. But there's small little details within a coverage, within a front, within any defensive scheme, X's and O's wise, that uh, you can learn new ways to implement different little tweaks and, and details here and there that are just going to make you that much better. Uh, for me, it was also just seeing how other coaches were approaching meetings, how other coaches approached um, recruiting, how other coaches approached uh, how they're connecting with players. There's just so many different things that you can learn from any given situation that you're in. And I thought that being at the University of Washington really helped me in that regard and in every one of those aspects. And uh, so that's where I, I felt like I, I was able to come back and really have a better grasp of the big picture of what I wanted defensively. But not only that, but also the implementation of that big picture piece by piece. We had Coach Chode on oh, a little less than two weeks ago now. And I thought one of the uh, most interesting comments he said, he said that, hey, you know, losing spring ball it is what it is. You lose some reps. Uh, we, our veteran guys are happy. Our young guys may be chopping at the bit. But regardless, he said, the thing I think is the most important part about the offseason is continuing to fortify, continuing to build culture, continuing to install that leadership. And I know he's, I mean, to me, talking to the guys that make it to their fourth and fifth years of his program, that's the place you can see. I mean, you look at guys like Logan Jones or Braden Conklin. I, mean, I know those kids when they were in high school, and they, mm-hmm. now they're men. And Joe had a huge <laughs> influence on that. All you guys had huge influences in that. But what do you think of that element, just his ability to cultivate, uh, you know, maturity in, in young yeah. men and teach things beyond just football? Yeah, that, that is, to me, such a, his, one of his biggest strengths and assets as a, as a head guy um, and that's something that I admire about him and, and something that I'm trying to learn from him as much as I can as well is, is how he's able to implement culture, how he's able to really point everything in the same direction and get everybody moving in the same direction. And uh, that, that's a hard thing to do uh, for any organization, whether it's a football program, whether it's a business, whether whatever it may be, to get everybody on the same page and moving in the same direction and not having people going this, there, and that, uh, dragging people off task. And in turn, now your organization is kind of bouncing around, and that's where you see that inconsistency. Uh, and he's able to just continuously point people in the right direction and to continuously point every, everybody back towards our culture and what our values are as a team. And I think that is, that is another reason why uh, our guys were able to continue to get better and better last year as the season progressed. And I think that's why despite the setback or this adversity that we're facing as far as not having spring ball, not being around our guys, we're still going to, when we get back together, uh, we're still going to be fine. And we're still going to be raring to go. And, and uh, our culture is going to be stronger than this adversity. He is absolutely one of the most compelling speakers I've ever been around. I mean, 
he's so captivating and mm-hmm. he, he speaks with such conviction. His Monday press conferences for us are just must see. I mean, you never know. He's going to come there with a, two pages of notes. He lays it down. He talks for 15 minutes before you even ask him a question. I mean, just work, working for a guy like that, though, that has so much passion. I mean, it must be fun for you guys to, to hear him talk and then just to hear him inspire the kids. Oh, there's no question, man. That, that part of it again, uh, because it, it, he's not just inspiring to the kids. Uh, he's inspiring to, to everybody involved, uh, regardless if it's a staff meeting at 6.30 in the morning and because uh, we're going out to practice that morning. He's still going to come in there with that same set jolt of energy for all of us as a staff to make sure that when we go out there on, on the practice field or within our meeting room that we've got that same sense of urgency, that same sense of conviction for our guys that he does. And I, I think that's just huge. It's got to be a top-down deal as far as um, everything – you can't speak culture and not live culture. And, and Schultz is a guy that lives exactly what he preaches every single day, and he just is who he is. I think that's why he's able. That's why he comes off as such a, a speaker with conviction is because everything he talks about, he truly believes, and he lives that every day. He is who he is. And uh, anytime that you, you have that, your values in, in order and in place like that, there's, I mean, you can talk for hours in because you've got such a passion for what you're talking about because it is who you, it's just who you are. There you go. Part one with the defensive coordinator, the Montana State Bobcats, Can I Own, joined us uh, on Zoom earlier today. We appreciate that very much. Spent a lot of time covering a lot of the career stuff and what's going on now at Montana State. Next, though, get into some personnel. Who's gone? Who's coming back on the defensive side of the ball? What does he expect of the 2020 Montana State Bobcats? We'll get to that right after this. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. It's Tutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. It's a Wednesday. Happy to be with all of you out there. At Gus Tutel on Twitter, at 102.9 ESPN. That's Skyline Sports MT. If you are uh, looking for us, we appreciate that very much. Uh, we just finished hearing uh, part one of our interview with Ken Ione, the defensive coordinator of the Montana State Bobcats. We're now going to get into part two, which has a couple different things in it, but centrally, Coulter hinges on personnel on the defensive side of the ball. Guys who graduated, a great defensive class that's gone, but still yep. a lot of talent coming in. It's actually a, a pretty nice mix if you consider it for Montana State. Like, you want to graduate great players. Like, that's the idea is that they get great, but then when they're gone, how do you replace them? But it's not like they're losing nine starters. You know, they're losing a handful of really key guys, but they also have a handful of guys who've been – either key contributors or big players in their own right still coming back. Entering Jeff Choate's fifth season, it's certainly very apparent that the priority he put on recruiting the offensive and defensive lines has come to fruition. Now it remains to be seen if they can continue to reload, but it appears as if they can. Two years ago, they lost three outstanding defensive linemen in Tucker Yates, Zach Wright, and Tyrone Fonono. All three of those guys were all big sky players, and they, they were even better on the D-line last year with Bryce Dirk, Derek Marks, 
anchor in the way. But now they still have Amandre Williams in the fold. He was an all-big sky guy on the edge last year. They still have Chase Benson in the fold, which Chase Benson will be my pick for preseason all-league at defensive tackle this year. Um, They do lose Josh Hill from the inside linebacker spot, but they got Carolina Ryder, their leading tackler, coming back. They also got Nolan Askelson, who had a pretty good redshirt freshman year a year ago. And then, of course, they have Troy Anderson, and they can platoon him with Daniel Hardy, who really If Kane Ione can win an arm wrestling contest <laughs> against Justin Udy, which you'll hear a little bit about as well. No doubt, but they still got Kane Ione and Daniel Hardy at that Sam linebacker spot. They do lose Jack Way Allen, Braden Conkle, and JoJo Henderson from safety, but they groomed Ty Okada to be one of the dudes there. And I also know they really like Rylan Orton. There's some good comments here about Rylan Orton. Tuma's a little sentinel guy uh, who was a quarterback as well as a State champion javelin throw Brazil right. Sendel. But they're really high on him. Choate loves him. Kane loves him. Really smart player. Um, and then the other thing is that Montana State last year, as good as they were on defense, they actually got by by being pretty much decimated at the cornerback spot. Tyrell Thomas really hasn't been healthy since his true freshman year. He did gut it out and contributed at a high level last year. Damian Washington is a nickel guy who was playing on the outside quite a bit last year. He was able to mask a lot of that, and they put him in a good position to succeed. But he's not like your burner-type corner. He's way more of a zone cushion-type corner. They didn't have their best man-to-man guy, who's Greg Munchie-Filer. He's back. Tyler Thomas, hopefully healthy. He's back. So where are you at? And then they also put a high priority on recruiting that position. And as we know, ability and athleticism resonate as much at cornerback as any other spot. A lot of times it's not about how many reps you got. It's just about how good – I mean, how fast can you run. Yeah. And so I think that Montana State, even though they do lose – count them up one two three four first team all big sky players they still have a chance to be pretty darn good on defense but that's that's to be expected when that's the way you build your program well here we go our interview with can i own on the zoom part two enjoy you uh had an unbelievable senior class defensively especially from a leadership standpoint and then of course i mean outstanding players as well you still though have a, a really solid group coming back when you take a look at what you need to replace though what's going to be what's going to be the biggest quote-unquote holes to fill like what are the things that you need to prepare to do just personnel wise heading into this next season Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, i think up front everything starts up front um we tell our d-line that and it's not just to get their heads big and and whatever it's the reality of the game is is you've got to have a great front in order to be successful as an entire unit defensively. Um, And so we've got to obviously replace some production up front and some really dynamic players. Bryce Sturk that obviously comes to mind right off the jump when you think of production with the amount of sacks and and TFLs and just overall production that we got out of him. We've got to replace that one way, shape, or form. And that could be you don't necessarily have to do it with just one guy because that's not realistic when it's all said and done. But you got to figure out, okay, well, if it's not one guy, then maybe it's a couple guys that we feel we can rotate in and out and still get the same uh, production. Um, maybe it's schematically we do something a little bit different to take advantage of the strengths of the, of the guys we have in our room in order to get that production. So there's a couple different ways we're looking at how we can replace that. Um, Derek Marks, I mentioned him earlier, and he's another guy that uh, we're going to miss tremendously. Um, really, his leadership uh, more than anything. But he was one of the better defensive tackles in in the country, in my opinion, and, and just really a guy that was so unselfish the way he was able to move from an outside end to an inside defensive tackle and, and had a really productive year. Uh, so we're going to miss that ability of his, his versatility. Um, but we've got some young guys in the program that I think we'll, we'll be able to replace him with. Um, big Scrimpos, 
just a big body, another guy rotation-wise. Uh, but we feel like we do have some young guys uh, in the development range that I think can help replace them, whether it's just the one guy or two or three guys that essentially can help replace those two inside guys. Uh, and then we'll figure out some pieces that will – uh, move around. You got a Madre Williams back uh, that I think is one of the better edge defenders in, in our conference. Daniel Hardy, who showed flashes of being another guy, uh, both athletic ability, uh, length, uh, just a guy that I think can develop into a really productive player for us this year. And uh, so between those two guys and hopefully another piece that shows up, uh, we can potentially replace those guys up front. Now, are you sending care packages to Coach Choate and and sort of like locking Justin Udy in his office for rights to Troy Anderson on the defensive <laughs> side? Like, how does how does the tug of war go for how many snaps you're going to get with him as opposed to the other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Udy knew that going into the, the interview process. I told him from the jump, man, I said, hey, get your mind right because we're going to do so we're going to have some competitions in order to fight for the right for Troy, uh, whatever it's a physical uh, type of competition or whatever it may be. Uh, but he, he understood that from the jump. So him and I are going to work out the details of what those competitions are going to look like. Um, I feel good about my uh, prospect. I've been hitting hundred pushups a day. Nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm staying on top of it. And so uh, the challenge is out there, man, but uh, we'll, that's an obviously, I mean, Troy's, Troy's a talent that, uh, uh, you know, everyone knows what the ability that Troy has, and, and it's very, very obviously what Troy can do. And I'm excited about uh, Troy potentially getting a chance to play that much more defense over the course of his career because I feel like um, Troy has been a guy that uh, over the course of his entire – you go back all the way to high school, never really settled on just one position. And I think as we progress and we get um, him more and more uh, comfortable in what he's doing defensively, man, you're going to see his, his numbers go even higher. And uh, you saw that as, as the season progressed last year with him, uh, as he played more of his true outside linebacker position for us defensively, he just got better and better week in and week out. And when he played full games, his production was ridiculous. I mean, it was – he had two – how many tackles for loss, how many sacks a game, week in and week out over that course of that stretch that he was playing primarily defensive ball. And so uh, that's why I'm, I'm hitting the push-ups, pull-ups, all that stuff, man. So <laughs> I can I can make sure we get a majority of him on our side of the ball. Got to ask about the back end, especially the safeties, yep. because you know, I thought that the adjustment you guys made to go more of the big nickel and get JoJo Henderson at, on the field at the same time as Jack Way Allen and Braden Conkle – was a huge adjustment last year. I thought yeah. it paid huge dividends for you. And obviously, Conkle, not only his talent, but just the edge he plays with, what he brings, that's hard to replace. But those other two guys were phenomenal athletes, too. Where are you guys at with the safety position? I know Ty Okada's moved around a little bit. It seems like mm -hmm. he really uh, came on strong at the end of last year. But what's that position look like? And who are some young guys you were looking – I mean, because you're coaching safeties now, too. So who are some guys you were looking forward to seeing? Yeah, no, that's a great question, man, and a really good point. And, and it's something that I think um, – underrated move that uh, we were able to make last year was the, the the being able to get JoJo on the field as much as we could. It's all we're a personnel driven defense. Um, it's not necessarily about scheme as much as about the guys out there. And so getting JoJo out there majority of the time or as much as we possibly could was an adjustment that we had to make just because of, of what he was able to do for us and uh, allowed for all three of those guys to play multiple spots, which I thought really helped us. 
Um, so we're going to miss all three of those guys, man. Obviously, Conco being the All-American, um, the leader for his four-year captain guy, we're going to miss him within the room and just his productivity. Um, Quay being the ball hawk that he was and just his ability to have some range in the back end. And then JoJo's just versatility. was. We're, we're going to miss all three of those guys in their own specific ways. But part of uh, coaching is – You've got to help develop guys within the room. So when – and part of last year that I thought was so important for the backhand room was just raising our standard up in that room. And I think those three guys that you mentioned and, and Damian Washington, another senior within that group, uh, those guys helped raise that standard within our, our, our backhand room. And so the backhand secondary guys coming back, they all understand this is where we, we, we are now at and we want to even take that higher. And so all of them have been working to make sure not only do we match that standard that those guys set, but now we're taking it to a whole new level, a whole new standard. Um, and so you mentioned Ty Okada being a guy that's really took the reins as far as leadership is concerned within the room. Uh, he's a guy that's shown ability to be a playmaker when he's been on the field. We just got to keep him healthy a majority of the time so he can be out there a lot more than, than he has been in the last several years. But he's a very productive, competitive. He's that quarterback of the defense type guy that, uh, I mean, he won't stop communicating and, and talking, uh, whether we're in the practice field, in the meeting room, whatever, man, I love that about him. He, he is going to communicate nonstop. Coach Choate always uh, uh, teases him about it, where he's going to say something regardless if he's right or wrong. Um, and, and I love that about the kid, man. He, he is He's going to be a communicator, and that's what you need back there. Um, so Ty's a guy that, that I'm anxious to get going uh, on a regular full-scale basis. Uh, we brought in a transfer from Oregon State, Jeffrey Manning, that has done an awesome job of just transitioning and acclimating to our group, understanding that his initial job was just to come in and, and show us that he wanted to be here and work hard and, and really acclimate himself to the to the room well, and he's done that and then some. So I'm excited about what he's able to bring to us, having played in the Power 5 or Pac-12 level. And then uh, the young guy that I, I'm really excited about is Ryland Ort, uh, right out of Missoula there. Um, and he's a guy that, that – had really shown signs of, of being a really good player for us throughout fall camp and then just progressed and progressed as the season got going as far as uh, scout team player of the year, uh, just a guy that is definitely going to help us on the teams. And then we want to factor into that rotation somehow, some way. And, and who knows, once fall camp hits and we get rolling, he's a guy that's going to compete be out there quite a bit. Um, and then you go corner-wise, I think, that's a position that we've got a lot of talent uh, that's uh, really young talent as well. Um, and so I'm excited about what we have as far as our ability to play the, the tight coverage that we like to play here uh, with some of our corners that we got coming back with Tyrell Thomas being one of the top corners in the league coming back. Uh, Greg Munchie Filer, another guy that didn't play a whole lot of ball for us last year, but uh, has played a lot of ball for us in the past. And so we're excited about those two guys. And then we've got some young guys behind them, uh, Eric Zambrano, um, Tyler Bohannon, uh, Elijah Kane. I, I can go down the list of kind of unproven commodities, so I can't talk too much about them at this point, but uh, they're definitely a group of young guys that I feel really good about. Kane Ione joining us, defensive coordinator of Montana State Bobcat football team. And my last question from me, Kane, you, you've been a coach now long enough that you've coached guys – and seeing how their careers have gone, you know, after you've coached them. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about, you know, Mac McNell, Bobby Daly, but especially Alex Singleton, who ends up going owning the CFL, is now the only graduate of any school in the state of Montana that's actually in the league 
playing for the Eagles. What's what's that like for you and how satisfying to to see that development happen for them professionally in the sport that you've been, you know, their their mentor and teacher in? Uh, it's it's awesome, man. And, and really, when it's all said and done, man, you, you get in this thing to have a for me, I, I just want to have a positive influence on as many people as I can. And coaching provides that opportunity for me. And uh, anytime you can see their development from their freshman year, that was what was so fun about being a part of the program for so as long as I was, is I was able to go through how many classes and groups of guys. Uh, so you can see them develop from a freshman all the way through their senior year, watch them walk across the stage, get their diploma. And then in Alex's case, continue to, to uh, just pursue this professional thing for as long as he has. And now to see the success in, for him to get back in the NFL, having, like you said, dominated the CFL for however many years and uh, now getting his opportunity in the NFL, man, it just speaks volumes of, of first off of Alex uh, and just his desire to be great. I think that was what set him apart from uh, most kids uh, as student athletes at the time was just he'd made the choice to be great from the jump. And you could tell that that's what he wanted to do as you were recruiting the kid. And then he just continued to build on that over the course of his time here at MSU. And now like, he just continues to pursue it uh, regardless of any setbacks or adversity, man. And that that's what I'm most proud about is just, again, you hope you have positive influence on these kids. Uh, and, and now they're grown men doing, doing the same thing, having positive influence. And there's so many of those guys out there uh, that, man, I, I enjoy. I've had some Zoom meetings with some of these guys and over the course of this uh, quarantine time and, and just getting the opportunity to see them blossom. You know, you got Jody Owens that uh, actually got to coach with at University of Washington that's doing really good things in the football ranks. Obviously, Bobby Daly and I get a chance to uh, – be in the same defensive staff room every single day. And so I get to see him continue to develop as a coach. Clay Bignell is another guy that's in somehow, and I don't know why they, they choose to get in this profession because uh, it's a terrible profession, uh, but, <laughs> but somehow, man, they, but they are, they're doing really, really well. And uh, there's so many guys that, again, that's why you get in this thing is to see guys blossom, not only on the football field, but outside of the football realm. And when they get in their daily lives and, to see guys having positive impacts in their community wherever they are. That's that's awesome to see. It always is. Well, Kane, we certainly appreciate you being with us. Thanks for joining us on the roundtable. Good luck. The hardest profession, by the way, is having two kids under two years of age. So best of luck to you on that front. And then, of course, we can't wait for football to come back, man. Looking forward to it. Best to you in Bozeman, all right? I appreciate that, man. And you hit it right on the head. That is definitely the, my biggest challenge right now going forward is getting my two kids to to buy into to our culture in the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> heard it put like that before i don't know why i mean i talked to enough coaches i should have heard something along those lines before that's a great line try to get the kids to buy into our culture that's what we're doing that's parenting 101 right there it's the baseline of what you're attempting to do if you know the great cass i own kane's dad it's probably a line that he actually is stealing from his old man because uh I can guarantee you there was talks about the Ion family culture around dinner table <laughs> quite often when yeah. they were growing up. Cass is a great coach within it. So, I mean, they're a coaching family, right? Kane's brother has uh, coached hoops at Willamette for a long time, and Cass was co- a coach of many different sports in the Billings mm. area, and he's a great guy. He was a Billings Skyview golf coach for a long time, and so uh, just great people, man, great family, and uh, really proud of Kane. Known Kane for a really long time, covered him for a really long time, and uh, – 
he's really coming to his own. I think he's an exceptional – he's always been an exceptional individual coach, position coach, and now I think he's a great defensive coordinator as well. So uh, Montana State people should be happy to have him. Well, we were certainly happy to have him on, and uh, and we'll continue with this stuff. In fact, we'll talk a little bit more about what it is that we're going to have for you in the coming days and weeks, uh, as well as a little bit of NFL – uh, a little bit of NFL stuff as well right after this. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. To tell in Nuanes on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Missoula. I am in a complete conundrum. I have tickets to Tool Outstanding. Tickets to Rage in Portland, outstanding. Tickets to Rage in Tacoma, outstanding. And I don't know whether to ask for a refund, if I'm going to be, you know, if these are even going to happen anymore. What is it that I'm supposed to do? It's 2 Telling one is 1029 ESPN Radio. If you would uh, like to find the show, it's available all the time on the podcast. Just go check to Tell Nuanas wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate that very much. And you can uh, go listen in at your leisure. Thanks to Blackfoot. Blackfoot hooking us up with the uh, podcast. I mean, what am I supposed to do with these concerts that I want to go to that I don't know what their status is? Well, have they been postponed yet? Well, yeah. I mean, they well, they've all been. They're just like everything else. No one knows what they are. They're just this. Uh, Have they been pattern. formally canceled yet? I don't believe they've been formally canceled yet. No. Okay. So, Ticketmaster yeah. has quietly changed their refund policy in the wake of COVID. Yeah. And unless the event is actually properly canceled, no refunds will be issued. Yeah. That that may be a policy. But a policy is just sort of a guideline until two people get on the phone and speak to one another. You're one of those guys, so you're going to call them up, I want my dang money right now. And they're going to say, sorry, sir, this is our policy. And then then you're going to go, and then they're going to say, sorry, sir, it's our policy. Yeah, my policy is not to be out hundreds of dollars while I wait a year and a half, and they're making money and interest on the the thing that I've given to them. That's All a matter of perspective, yo. This is an investment in your future. No question. You got the tickets. An an investment which I will remake at the appropriate time. What do you mean remake? If you've already got the tickets, man, you're in business. Actually, you want to know what my real issue is? Tell me your real issue. I I fumbled horribly the buy on these. Shocking. Oh. (laughs) I mean, what... what is it that I've ever messed up on something like this before that oh, you no. sec- expect oh, no. this out of me? Okay, okay, so were you buying these from another human with cash? No. Of course you screwed it up. 
If you're, having, right. if you're using a computer or a cell phone or a card, it's okay. all downhill for yeah. you. I have full confidence your fair. ability to buy any ticket to any show on the planet if it's yeah. you exchanging money with another yeah. person. That's fair. You could get anywhere. In terms of clicking the right buttons on the phone on the Ticketmaster site, no chance. Well, they they here's the thing. They put these things on sale at, at X time, right? 10 a.m., whatever it is. But then... At 10 a.m., you actually got to click into the actual queue to buy. Like, you, you you don't just click them and then now you're buying them. You're clicking in and now you're waiting to get in. Okay. So, the purchase begins at 10 a.m., yeah. but the ability to queue up to buy begins at 10 to 10, at 9.50, say, for example's sake. Oh. Be- it's because this is like a big deal, right? And they know they're going to go fast, so they're trying to streamline this thing and do the thing because o- the system can only handle so many purchases at a time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't realize that, so I was prepared for 10 o'clock and then checked my browser again at like 9.55, and now I'm able to get into the queue. Well, now I'm so far back in that line that I was not able to purchase tickets on the floor, which is really, I mean, what else is the point if you're going to see Rage Against the Machine? Coulter, clearly we're dealing with a guy here who has never gotten himself on a cruise and doesn't know how to get (laughs) high-demand tickets. Listen, I know how to get them. Really? They cost a lot more than I'm willing to pay for them. you got to sell a remodeled camper. In no. order to furnish yourself with the yeah, what's concert up with the tickets. camper? The camper awaits the sun. <laughs> Are you guys going to take it somewhere? We might. Can I have it? You can buy it. Can I live there? No. Absolutely no. <laughs> Man, the camper awaits the sun. Ryan, don't we all in this great state await the sun well, at I mean, this point? Well, all the people... The snow. Of all the people that Ryan Tutels let live at his house, even with his children, and I'm not even allowed to live in the backyard. <laughs> it's a side yard, and that's right. That's right. What, yeah. Where do you where do you fall when it comes to the taking of vitamins? Are you a vitamin guy? <laughs> Such a good question. My wife is the biggest vitamin slash Filipino concoction. You know, she is mixing up elderberries. Thrilled when she found out the neighbor would let her take the elderberries off of her uh, the neighbor's bush there to take Jackpot. it in. And like melts it all down and creates this stuff. Wow. Rubbing onions on the bottom of your feet, rubbing lemon rinds in your armpits, like all of the weird, like all of that stuff. I'm like, well, what are we eating for? Isn't that the point? Isn't that how you get your vitamin is in the pizza? It's there. Why am I wasting my time eating these things that taste like gasoline? So, no, I'm not really a vitamin guy. I also saw one thing one time that, you know, says most of it just goes out in your urine. So I, that's, oh, that's just depends on what, how the vitamins form. That's why you got to research the production of the yeah, actual I, vitamin. I don't know. Now, the it's kids like when love them because they get the gummies. You know, she's insisted they're going to have yeah, the man. gummy things. Flintstones so, but like, gummies? Tell me, tell me this, okay? A vitamin, something that's supposed to be good for you, is now in the form of a sugary, gelatinous treat. Now, that's going to be a net benefit to your system. I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. (laughs) Oh, man, this is like when he had his uh, old man physical. You know, once you get to a certain old age, you got to have just a physical just to make sure you're not dying. And they told him, him, in fact, you're dying. 
And so he decided his solution was to be was going to be to eat fried chicken and drink bourbon instead of ever eating any sort of noodle, bread, or anything delicious again. I told him we could have somewhere down the middle, and I could give you some fish oil and some lectin capsules. And he said, no, 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 I'm doing it my way. <laughs> Let me tell you. So something. there we were, sitting at double fried, eating fried chicken and drinking bourbon. Dude, someone who's got their mind made up on fried chicken isn't going to say, oh, yeah. What, what, what did you say? Lentinin? Lentils? Lectin. Fish oil? Yeah. Lectin. Yeah. Fish oil? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's a hard sell, Coulter. What, I mean, what are you asking me the vitamin question for? You need some vitamin D in you, man. You are mm. just a grouchy, curmudgeon, angry, angry radio show host lately, man. Look at your slouch. When, when <laughs> Coulter schools you, which he constantly does, and Why? radiates with joy Why? when he finds himself right, you are sulking man i don't know that the words radiate with joy i have ever <laughs> envisioned applying to colton nuana <laughs> what happy laughing oh, excited man. radiating with joy like you see the care bears episode yeah, he's, somewhere you've got in a childhood. euphoric co-host right over there and you are sitting here just a sad sack Thinking about your vitamins and the and the the onion treatment you've got awaiting you at home. I'm thrilled. There's calcium and ice cream. I'm fine. All right, if you say so, man. I don't know. Boys and girls, have a great Wednesday. We'll uh, reset this mess tomorrow. ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.